I don't think we need you to have a prolific Twitter presence, all right? Because some, you know, exchange leads have done that and led us down some pretty dark paths. What we need from Dave Ripley is to protect our funds and build fantastic products. Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. This is Ryan Sean Adams. I'm here with David Hoffman, and we're here to help you become more bankless. Kraken versus the SEC. Round two. Some context here. Round two. Before we get in, Kraken is one of the two most important exchanges in the U.S. right now. It's also an essential bridge across a bunch of other jurisdictions. Kraken is big in Europe, Australia, Canada, many places across the world. Recently, Kraken has come under fire for the second time from the SEC. That's the second time this year. They settled the first complaint. It's cost them $30 million, but this time they are fighting the SEC in court. They're saying enough is enough. Kraken versus the SEC in the state of California, it's on. So we brought on CEO Dave Ripley to tell us more. And in the process, it's a good opportunity to get to know him as one of the world's most important centralized exchange operators. David, why was this episode significant to you? I think it's important that Kraken has to actually fight this time because I think it's pretty clear that the SEC is looking for below the belt wins that they're trying to just scrape out of the crypto industry in whatever way that they can. And so Kraken is choosing to fight very firmly because they realize that like if they settle again, then well, what's to stop Gary Gensler from just trying a third time yeah. and a fourth time? Because we know Gary Gensler is not about the facts. He is just here for the narrative. He's just here for the perceived win that he can go to take home and show mom and dad, you know, Janet Yellen and Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) Uh, And so Kraken's got to fight. They're taking this heavy responsibility of advocating for the entire industry on their shoulders and fighting Gary Gensler and the SEC. Notably, the big thing that the SEC is charging Kraken is, you know, allowing securities to trade on their platform. But the SEC is going after Kraken not the United States domiciled issuers of the security, which would be the place that the whole issue is spawned in the first place. They're going after an adjacent service provider. Everything about this is just below the belt. Anyways, this is Dave Ripley's first year (laughs) as CEO of Kraken, and he's had to deal with this twice now. And so he's just going to take the leadership position for the industry and go toe-to-toe with Gary Gensler because he has to. And I guess we thank him for it because someone's got to do it, and Kraken's doing this tough job. This would be my analysis of like the current predicament and opportunity that Kraken finds itself in. Before we get into the episode today, first we disclose. So most of you listening to this already know that Kraken is a sponsor of Bankless. It's our recommended exchange. Both David and I tell you that at the beginning of most episodes. Mm -hmm. And why did we pick Kraken? Because the world needs a bridge to crypto. Mm -hmm. And Kraken is one of the few exchanges that served the industry as that bridge without fail for like 11 years, many cycles. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, we want them to absolutely beat the pants off of the SEC. More than that. There is a link to all of our disclosures (laughs) in bankless.com slash disclosures. You can always access that. I learned at the end of this episode, Ryan, that Kraken customers are called Krakenites. (laughs) So we've got the Bankless Nation and we also got Krakenites. And we also have Krakenites in the Bankless Nation. Shout out to all of you guys. All right, guys, we're going to get right to the discussion with Dave Ripley. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible, including (laughs) our recommended exchange. (laughs) Who could that be? For 2023 and 2024, I'm going to say, what's Kraken? It's Kraken. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade. And as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, 
to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant, permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect. But crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com slash bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to U.S. and U.S. territory customers by Payward Ventures, Inc., PVI, doing business as Kraken. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi. And now, bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore. With competitive rates and convenient routes, MetaMask Portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular Layer 1 and Layer 2 networks. And all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go. From there, MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started. Arbitrum is the leading Ethereum scaling solution that is home to hundreds of decentralized applications. Arbitrum's technology allows you to interact with Ethereum at scale with low fees and faster transactions. Arbitrum has the leading DeFi ecosystem, strong infrastructure options, flourishing NFTs, and is quickly becoming the Web3 gaming hub. Explore the ecosystem at portal.arbitrum.io. Are you looking to permissionlessly launch your own Arbitrum Orbit chain? Arbitrum Orbit allows anyone to utilize Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Orbit Orbit chain, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, an enterprise, or a user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Visit Arbitrum.io and get your journey started in one of the largest Ethereum communities. Bankless Nation, we are very excited to introduce you to Dave Ripley. He's the first time on the podcast. He is the CEO of Kraken. He's been at Kraken for six years, but this is his first year as CEO. He's replaced former OG and Bankless guest Jesse Powell, who is the co-founder of Kraken. And Dave has had a very exciting <laughs> first year or so as CEO because the SEC has come after Kraken not just once, but twice. In Gary's campaign to become maybe the most anti-crypto SEC chairman of all time. Those are our words, not Dave's. Mm -hmm. But Dave, it is wonderful to have you on Bankless in these trying times. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking with you guys. Okay, can we start here? We want to get your background and learn a bit more about you. But before we do, let's talk about current events here. So it seems like the SEC dropped some sort of case on Kraken earlier in 2023 around your staking service. And I believe that was resolved in some way. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. And now there is a new complaint from the SEC that just dropped, I believe, a month ago, sometime in November. Can you give us some context for all of the regulatory action this year coming into the SEC towards Kraken? Yeah. So, I mean, I think your summary pretty much covers it on the two events here. You know, one earlier resulted in a settlement and then this new complaint that just came our way. I mean, it honestly, this new complaint is, uh, looks pretty familiar, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's similar to what we've seen, you know, basically Coinbase face. Frankly, not terribly. I mean, there are differences, of course, you know, given our role in the ecosystem vis-a-vis -vis Ripple, but kind of like the underlying law at play is not terribly different than what they faced with Ripple and in XRP and where they lost. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's particularly disappointing for us and for me to see, you know, kind of the SEC go down this path and kind of the problematic approach that they've had, particularly given that we we are in markets in Europe, in the UK, in Canada, in Australia, and many different places where we're, you know, working with regulators and they're putting forth clarity and we are, you know, working within those licensing regimes and moving forward and things are frankly going great in most of those geographies. Dave, I remember reading some of the details on the weekly roll-up that we do every single week, kind of recapping the news and the charges of the SEC as we were reading them seemed to charge you guys with being an exchange, as in you allowed a marketplace to come together for buyers and sellers of crypto assets. And as you were reading the complaint, you would just got the idea that apparently just being an exchange is against the rules, according to the SEC. Is there anything that like stood out about the complaint other than just like, it's the same thing, you know, that Binance does, that Coinbase does, that every other exchange does. Is there really anything that stood out as exceptional in this complaint from the SEC? Frankly, not for us, no. I mean, they try to bake in a number of other things to, you know, kind of make the complaint grab headlines. I mean, frankly, it's, you know, appears to be and, and has been for a while a bit of a PR, you know, set of PR objectives, you know, public relations objectives that they have going, you know, with their approach on a number of these different complaints. And so I think that probably the most notable is, you know, things don't seem to be going that well in the Southern District of New York where they're bringing these claims, right? You know, of course, XRP didn't go their way. The you know, the grayscale request didn't seem to go well. Of course, you know, they didn't see the outcome they wanted there. Coinbase, you know, that's under progress. It probably takes a, a room full of lawyers to debate how that's actually progressing, you know, at this given juncture. You know, one thing that's different, though, from all of these is that they're bringing it in a different jurisdiction. Mm. So they're bringing it in California as opposed to the Southern District of New York. And that's just because that's where you guys are located in California, right? Kraken is headquartered in the state of California. No, it's not. Oh, okay. You know, they can bring it in a number of different jurisdictions, actually. And it isn't necessarily tied to where we're located. Huh. I and mean, for what it's worth, we actually don't even have an office in California at this given point oh, wow. in time. And we're not even necessarily located here. Certainly not more so than Coinbase, who they happen to bring into the Southern District mm. of New York uh, district. So, I mean, part of it is, you know, again, speculation, but are they, you know, kind of looking to try a different district that isn't as tied to the one where they've, you know, racked up some of these losses. Mm. Okay, so the SEC has collected some L's in New York specifically. And the idea is like, well, they are going to go out and try out an alternative, perhaps more favorable jurisdiction, at least to try it's it speculation. again. It's speculation. Yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like yeah. in middle school or high school. And I asked my mom if I can go out with some friends and my mom says no. And then I go over to my dad and ask the same question and try and get my dad to say yes. Kind of feels yeah. a little bit like that. <laughs> This is what we're faced with. <laughs> this is a very reasonable analogy to my more long-winded description. Right, and of course, and interestingly, in this complaint, the SEC actually named some of the assets trading on platform to be securities. Adam from Cosmos, Phil from Filecoin, Matic from Polygon, Sol from Solana, Near, a few others. And these are our crypto networks. These are our crypto assets. They are integral to the functioning of these blockchains. They need to be able to be in the market in order for these systems to work. And also, notably, they also trade on Coinbase, which is a public company that the SEC approved to go 
public. And so again, just reading through some of the documentation from the SEC, they really leaned into a lot of the allusions to other crypto exchanges, which have had much worse stories, you know, FTX being the obvious one. And to me, it appears, again, these are just my opinions, that it's really just a narrative campaign. The SEC is trying to bolster up some allusions to FTX and other exchanges that are not so compliant, which I can imagine as the CEO of a United States domiciled exchange that committed to the United States and has been committed to the United States for 11 and a half years, would be supremely frustrating. And it would, as your first year as the uh, CEO of Kraken, I would imagine that that would be just like um, disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. You know, again, I mean, I think you're kind of going back to a similar point that I made earlier about, you know, kind of the element of PR seems to be meaningful here mm. in their approach. I mean, frankly, less so focused on the law. I think when we look at the law and, you know, as we stated in our blog and probably some of our tweets and so forth, there there isn't a basis for this complaint here. And so, you know, kind of adding in other things that are, you know, related, unrelated, try to, you know, catch eyeballs are, you know, seems to be part of the strategy. Part of the charge here and maybe some of the PR was this complaint or this idea that Kraken is commingling funds. Can you address that? Like, what was the SEC talking about? And, you know, what's your interpretation of this? You know, this is kind of a typical thing that they've gone to in these complaints. They put in a commingling claim in the Coinbase complaint as well. Hmm. They, you know, put one in this particular claim against Kraken. I mean, you know, on a factual basis, by and large, all the facts that they attempt to state aren't correct. Later in the complaint, they attempt to qualify one of their claims earlier with regard to commingling. Yeah, I mean, we use, you know, segregated accounts for, you know, operating and custodial funds. And, you know, that's basically the structure of our platform. We, you know, have invested meaningfully in all of these different areas with regard to our systems and our platform. And, and security is frankly one of the bedrocks for Kraken that, you know, a lot of our clients really appreciate about our platform. And so it, you know, just doesn't really have any basis. Okay. So there was two claims, as I said, two complaints from the SEC this year. The first was actually in February and Kraken chose to settle that. That was around the staking services that Kraken was providing. Now, this latest one is basically like, you guys are being a crypto exchange and we're complaining about that because the SEC is alleging that all sorts of these crypto assets are securities. The one in February, Kraken decided to settle. I believe this one in November, Kraken is deciding not to settle. This has been the statement out of Kraken that I've seen on Twitter and your press releases that you are intending to fight this. You are intending to push this in the court system. Can you tell me why? Is this just like, hey, they've crossed the line here and no further. We're making a stand. This is our core business. Americans deserve access to crypto assets yep. on exchanges that will protect them. Have you guys just said enough is enough? Is that what's happening? And how's this different than February? Yeah, you know, so I mean, it's a couple of different things. You know, one of the frustrating things about that settlement is we're not allowed to talk about it or the details no. of the settlement itself. So that is what it is. I mean, it was certainly different times for the industry and so forth that, you know, back when that happened. But yeah, I mean, all of your description and summary of this particular complaint is exact precisely how we feel. We feel that, you know, it when you look at the law, the SEC is wrong. 
And, you know, we intend to prove that and win this case. I guess from, you know, looking in from the outside, obviously not being part of any of that, it just seems like the SEC won, you know, one particular case got, I believe, $30 million in settlement and is now coming back nine months later to recollect. There's something that feels like deeply unfair, I think, to most folks in crypto that are looking at this from the outside in. I'm sure you can't reflect fully on that, but I think you've got a lot of supporters in the crypto community here. Yeah, no, for sure. A couple of things. I mean, just, you know, with the settlement... There was no admission of any wrongdoing whatsoever as part of that. Mm. You know, that's also a piece of it. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> strange to go through all that and they didn't, you know, mention that there might be this other thing about our business that they want to discuss <laughs> with us. Um, yeah, it's yeah. quite odd. But, you know, this is what we face right now in the United States. I mean, all of this is you know, probably the most amazing part of this is that Congress is working hard trying to actually get a bill across the finish line Mm -hmm. to bring clarity to answer these questions and provide a licensing structure, much the same as other countries have done. Canada, all of Europe underway, European Union, UK is on their way as well. And you know, the SEC is non-participatory in that process and just, you know, pursuing this path of litigation, you know, based on, you know, laws from, you know, nearly 100 years ago. Dave, I'm just curious, do you have any takes on why? I mean, you know, notably the groups that the SEC is going after, at least on the exchange side, are, you know, Kraken and Coinbase, two exchanges that I don't have to remind our listeners were wholly solvent Mm -hmm. and protected users' funds in the crises of 2022. They were the complete opposite of FTX. And rather than receive kind of, you know, praise for that and, you know, some, uh, I guess, uh, greater clarity with respect to your status, it seems like this regulators is going out and now going on the offensive. Where do you think this is coming from? Is this just isolated to the SEC? Or as you compare this to other jurisdictions, does this represent some sort of, I don't know, unique undertone of hostility that some in the U.S. government have towards crypto? Like, what's your explanation for this? Well, I mean, there's obviously a undertone of hostility towards crypto as part of this. I mean, you know, pursuing this path of, you know, regulation by enforcement is clearly that, right? You know, on the companies, there is a notion of, you know, cracking Coinbase, these are companies that you know been around a long time, have kind of followed this path of regulatory compliance from the outset, continue to work with jurisdictions everywhere. You know, so why these two companies and why does it seem to is likely an aspect of that is like the ease which with they can do this. It's much more difficult for them to go after a company that is outside the US, but still happens to be serving US clients just from, you know, a practical matter. And so I think that's a big, big part of what we're seeing right now. So it's just because you're in the neighborhood, they feel like they're in close proximity, they could slap you around a bit. Right, you know, something that, you know, we get a a group of lawyers to explain, but just like the practicality and the process of bringing a complaint against, you know, some offshore business is just much more difficult for them to execute from a tactical standpoint. Mm. And so, you know, that's obviously one factor here. Mm. So, Dave, you've mentioned that the Kraken has no plans on letting the SEC just bully Kraken around and really the entire industry. And since we're going to go to the course and fight this one, do you have any sort of like clarity as to like what that looks like? Like, what is this next? What's the timeline? What's the time frame with regards to the Kraken versus SEC, which is now a case? It's now Kraken versus SEC, correct? Yep. Yeah, you got it. Um, 
You know, gosh, what, what can I say about this? Yeah, it's a long process. It's an expensive process. This is, you know, this is, of course... The is it treat. more or less expensive than $30 million? <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, some of the estimates of the cases that have gone before us were quite significant and extreme. Mm, I mean, mm. up there in the nine figures area just wow. to fight the case. Is that part of the strategy, you think, of the SEC? Is like scare you with the sticker shock of a real fight? I mean, for sure, there's like the resources must mm -hmm. be a factor for any company that, you know, has to make such a decision, right? I mean, if the amount of resources necessary just to even embark upon it are significant. So look, I don't know if that's the estimate for this case, you know, what that would be, but I mean, it's certainly significant amount of, you know, resources necessary to, to embark upon this type of thing. If we're actually working on passing good legislation that can produce clarity here, say that legislation does get passed, that does deem like, you know, sole file coin, polygon to be like not securities, for example, and gives them kind of a regulatory green light or carve out. Would that invalidate this case versus the SEC? Or is there any, is there, how does that variable work here? Yeah, you guys got a lot of good, like <laughs> legal questions here. <laughs> so for sure, it would be the place we want to get to. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, we've been working with a number of members in Congress on this particular bill. We're supportive of it. We want to get there. You know, as a technical matter, I'm not certain that it actually, you know, entirely invalidates the complaint that they brought. You know, if there's a new law that's passed, but mm -hmm. undoubtedly it's going to be a positive thing for us. You know, if we get to the place where we have that clarity and that law is in place. Dave, have you guys ever thought about like just like leaving the U.S.? Yeah. I mean, like, please don't, first of all. Yeah. Like, we need functional exchanges that we can trust in the U.S. And I think U.S. citizens deserve that. But like, let's be honest, I mean, you're running a business. And it seems like those in power sometimes like just don't want you here. They're making it a lot harder. Have you ever given any thought to that? You know, I mean, it's, it is a business decision just the same as anything else, just the same as we decide, hey, are we going to enter XYZ new market? I mean, you kind of have to continually evaluate, do we remain in existing markets? One of the fortunate things for Kraken as a company is that we are you know, quite geo-diversified. You know, our biggest market is Europe. Kraken was the first place you can buy and sell Bitcoin with euros. And then I think the, the first place we could buy and sell Bitcoin with British pounds as well kind of allowed Kraken to grow really strong in those areas for quite some time, being the first mover, really. And today, those are actually Kraken's biggest markets, you know, bigger than the U.S., if you will. Does it lead us to, you know, want to exit the United States? That's not our current position. No. I mean, it's a meaningful market for us. We want to continue to bring our services to clients here. We have a lot of great clients in the United States and we want to continue down that path. And so it's not something that's, you know, on the table for us right now at all. You know, we are committed to and continuing to serve the United States. I mean, you're right to ask the question though, as I said at the outset, you know, about these things, you know, they have to make business sense. Otherwise, they're just not sustainable. So fortunately, Gary Gensler in the SEC is he's not boss of the world. And the other jurisdictions, what's your favorite jurisdiction to work in? You know, does Europe have this right? You know, how's Canada doing? Do they provide more clarity? Are some of the problems that we're seeing in the U.S. are these kind of like, you know, U.S. regulators specific problems or do you see them echoed in other jurisdictions? Yeah, well. It's probably not true that we can ever say any place is perfect because these are, you know, like complex issues and challenges and different perspectives all over the place and so forth. But I would say that, you know, where 
Europe is heading now with MECAR, their new regulatory structure. Where Canada headed, frankly, theirs is a bit more restrictive. You know, they put caps on level of investment in certain tokens, kind of picking winners versus losers. You know, there's some things that are not as positive. But still, even aside from that, you know, the level of clarity has been beneficial, frankly, in in both these markets. So I think like at least trying to get it right is kind of step one, right? And the reality is we do have a lot of people out there in the U.S. that are trying to get it right. There's all kinds of great people that are, you know, working, you know, both in the industry. Yes, even, you know, some people in Congress that are crypto supporters that are working to try and bring this clarity. It's just, you know, that approach isn't held by all. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo Forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one-block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Introducing GMX, the deepest on-chain futures market to trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and leading altcoins. GMX is a permissionless, decentralized exchange that offers perpetual futures and spot trading, lightning-fast trade execution and competitive pricing with the security and self-custody of a decentralized exchange. GMX is live now with V2, bringing new optimizations to on-chain leverage trading. And even more than an improved trading experience, GMX will reward you for just participating. All GMX users can easily set up a referral link. And with $12 million of Arbitrum grants being distributed as incentives and over $150 billion in trading volume today all settled on-chain, GMX is leading the charge in terms of opportunities for DeFi liquidity providers. The future is on-chain with your wallets, with your trades, and with your money in your own hands. Try it out now at app.gmx.io. You know Uniswap as one of the largest decentralized protocols with over $1.7 trillion of trading volume, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap X is the newest product from Uniswap Labs, which aggregates liquidity across the ecosystem to give you the best DeFi trading experience. The best part? It's gas-free and MEV protected. The best prices? Zero gas and MEV protection all rolled into one app. So head over to app.uniswap.org, click the gear icon on the swap page and make sure that Uniswap X is toggled on. And if zero gas trading on Uniswap wasn't enough for you, the Uniswap app is now available on both iOS and Android. Start swapping seamlessly with products from the most trusted team in DeFi. Visit app.uniswap.org to get started today. Dave, you're a newer face on the scene in the world of crypto. You've been at Kraken for six years, but just a a CEO for just one of them. And Uh, I think I like to speak for the industry when we all kind of like to keep an eye on who are the leaders of our centralized exchanges. You know, these are the places that we deposit trust into. And we typically get to know the CEOs of these respective centralized exchanges. So let's get into a little bit of who's Dave Ripley. Talk to us a little bit about your origin stories and then the arc into becoming the CEO of Kraken. Yeah, sure. So let me see where to start. So yeah, the path to this current role. I got into crypto in about 2013. Mm -hmm. 
And I founded a company, Glidera. That company was acquired by Kraken in 2016. And then I became, you know, took on the role of COO when I joined Kraken following that acquisition. I held that role for a number of years, mm-hmm. six and a half years before moving into the CEO role. So long time person in crypto, you know, have all kinds of friends, colleagues and so forth from, you know, the early days. You know, I guess I, you know, haven't been a, a, a prolific tweeter mm-hmm. in my past. Now X. I'm envious at times. So, you know, <laughs> social profile isn't significant, but you know, certainly have been in the industry for quite some time. And, you know, there's probably all kinds of your listeners that are like, oh yeah, hey, there's Dave. Mm-hmm. I remember from that that one conference in Atlanta where there was only a hundred of us there in 2013 and <laughs> so forth. Yeah. I guess I had kind of like a two-part career previous to moving into crypto. I started, I was an engineer undergrad, worked as a software engineer for a short while, a few years, then a product manager. This was at various technology companies. Lucent Technology is a big one. Then Cyclo, which was acquired by SAP. We were kind of in the enterprise software space, building mobile applications. So early days in mobile, the most prominent device at the time was the Palm Pilot. And the second most prominent was BlackBerry. Um, and so these were, you know, these were, again, early days in mobile, early 2000s. Then business school full-time, Northwestern Catalog. And then after that, worked for Boston Consulting Group, which is a strategy consulting firm. Worked for across a lot of industries, as people do at that company. Financial services being one of them. And so kind of that combination of, you know, financial services and technology leads to fintech being a logical path. But it's not quite the real story. I didn't so much set out to say like, hey, fintech is what I want to do. I more set out to say, hey, Bitcoin at the time, we didn't really call it crypto. Bitcoin was, you know, what I wanted to do. I learned about Bitcoin, did the proverbial rabbit hole, just the same as you guys probably did again back in 2013. You know, the more I learned about it, the more excited I got. What drew you into it, Dave? It's like one thing I'll just comment on is I don't think we need you to have a prolific Twitter presence, all right? Because some you know, exchange leads have done that and led us down some pretty dark paths. What we need from Dave Ripley is to protect our funds and build fantastic products. So from all that I've observed from you so far is, you know, you're just a fantastic operator, right? And like, there's like, you've been here since 2013. There's kind of like, we call it in crypto, this Lindy effect, you know, of just like, we start to trust things that have been in the industry and survived yeah. multiple cycles for a very long time. And that's what I see in Kraken. And that's what I see in you. I'm curious, back in 2013, I mean, you did the consulting track, right? You saw, you know, early tech, you also went to, to business school. That's an interesting resume for someone to be interested in crypto in 2013. It would have yeah. been unorthodox. You had all these like anacro capitalist types of, you know, rebels and that sort of thing. Yeah. And here you are, you're coming from business school in Boston Consulting, you've got that pedigree. What drew you into Bitcoin in 2013? Why that rabbit hole? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I remember (laughs) you're describing it quite well. I remember being at, again, the conferences that I referenced before. And, you know, maybe you get in a conversation, someone asked what you were up to, you know, now or previously or whatever. And I would answer and most people weren't familiar, you know, with what (laughs) what I had done, you know, previously is just a little bit different. And then I remember that I remember I met someone, this was again, like 2014, and who was familiar, he was like, geez, what are you doing here? And I was <laughs> like, huh, how about that? What a question to get at this event. And I mean, the reason is like, look, I mean, it really is the mission of crypto, economic freedom, financial freedom, freedom generally, 
you know, are things that are, you know, number one on my list for what, you know, what I see are the most critical things for us as humankind to get right. And, you know, we haven't always gotten it right. And we frankly have gotten it quite wrong. You know, the bank failures and the financial crisis, the great recession of 08, 09, that hit me pretty hard, you know, frankly, like the injustice of all of that. And so, you know, when I learned about crypto and Bitcoin, I mean, just so much of it start, you know, resonated with, frankly, a lot of things that I, you know, learned previously. I mean, you do have these like kind of crazy quotes by like a Milton Friedman where he, you know, says, you know, something that doesn't exist today, but will exist in the future, you know, some form of e-cash. And so I think, you know, and others as well, some of the other economists have, you know, have similar quotes like that out there. So anyways, I think it, um, it really, frankly, starts and ends there. I mean, there are other aspects as well, which is, you know, I've just kind of always liked technology and innovation and, you know, the newness of it and, you know, the growth of and impact of the internet, which frankly is like, in some ways, a similar mission, freeing of information, freeing of, you know, ability to transact. There's similarities there. So Dave, I really like that like class of 2013 and before, right? These are people who I think many of them saw 2008 and were like, you know, a bunch of bankers got a bailout, right? And here's a new monetary system where no one gets bailed out, right? It's like credibly neutral. It's fair from inception. And, you know, I think many of that class, those OGs kind of came from that perspective. One question I have for you is like, you are developing Kraken as a platform, not just an exchange, but its entire like crypto asset platform, I would say at this point in time. Mm-hmm. How do you avoid the mistakes that the banks made? Right. So how do you make sure that Kraken doesn't become like the banks? And we've seen many exchanges, I would say, a couple of notable exchanges in the last year make these mistakes, right? FTX. What was SBF up to? Well, he was um, (laughs) taking depositors' money and doing some unsavory things with it, like typical banker behavior. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we've even seen CZ and Binance and, you know, $4.6 billion fine and some issues there as well. What do you plan? What values do you plan to instill in Kraken? What is Kraken here to do? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a couple of different things. Like, you know, the values are very much around the crypto ethos for sure. And in our culture, and by the way, there's awesome, you know, we actually articulate this really clearly on our website. If, if anyone's interested, go check it out. And that is certainly a bedrock of it. But I, I mean, I would also point to kind of our role in the ecosystem and how we see ourselves. I mean, one of our fundamental roles in the ecosystem is we're a bridge. You know, the mission is to drive adoption of cryptocurrency so that, you know, everyone can achieve financial freedom. But, you know, our role in doing so is that of a bridge. And so we're looking to bring people across that bridge and provide them an easy, safe way to get to cryptocurrency. Also, a liquidity pool for individuals to go back and forth. We know these things are going to necessarily coexist as they do today for, you know, some time to come. And so, I think that's a big part of it is that, you know, the mission has is focused and we know our role and that's kind of the foundational piece of our role is to be a bridge and, you know, not get sidetracked in a lot of other things. 
Ryan Illustrated Kraken as a platform, and so I kind of want to open up that conversation of what is on the roadmap for Kraken and in all of his products offerings. I know there's a rumor of a Kraken Layer 2 coming around. I think the last comment that we got from you guys about that was no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, what can 2024... But feel is, free to revise that, Yeah, but that, feel Dave. free to update that if you are inclined. <laughs> sure, but sure. overall, like, what can we expect from Kraken in 2024? What are you excited about? Yeah, so let me see. Uh, quite a few things. Where to start? So we got kind of already set the foundation. Hey, we're this bridge. One of the things we've been like, you know, when we talk about who are actually our clients, one of the areas we've been quite strong historically are with, you know, more like professional individual traders. We've kind of brought the more advanced tools and charting and capabilities and order types and these types of things for those individuals, performant platform. More recently, over the past handful of years, we've moved more into, we call it, you know, consumer, individuals, retail. Some other companies use that term. Building a much more simple experience. And one of the things we want to do is take some of that ethos that we've built with for pro individual traders that allow them the ability to, you know, frankly, find ways to, you know, build and protect wealth and bring that to consumers, individuals. That means, you know, making sure they have accessible assets to invest in and, you know, the education to go along with it and ways to navigate the experience and all those different pieces. Then if you go to the other side, institutions is kind of in a, you know, an area where we have been for quite some time, but not substantially so. And we're certainly building there as well. You know, one of our most prominent products in that space is our benchmark and indices business. It goes by different names, CF benchmarks. We're the market leader there. So like all of these new ETF applications, the majority of them are powered by Kraken, powered by CF benchmarks. So, you know, we're kind of directly, you know, have an interest in those ETF applications being approved and moving forward from that standpoint. Can you go into that a little bit more? Talk about that relationship between CF benchmarks and the ETF applications. Like, can you just unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of these different products, whether it's kind of like, you know, the cash traded derivatives, which the CME offer, they require an index, much the same as the ETFs do as well. And so the price of an index is built by, well, another set of prices, which happen to be the prices on all of the, or not all, but, you know, several major exchanges out there. Kraken being one of them, but also Coinbase Mm -hmm. and Bitstamp and Paxos and others, right? And so that kind of provides a more robust, stable price that is then used by the ETFs themselves to actually set the price for their products. Okay, it is kind of cool to see when these ETF products come online that it actually is just a bunch of infrastructure built by our industry to serve the ETF products. It's pretty cool. You know, it is, right? I mean, the custodians are largely going to be crypto companies. Mm -hmm. We're launching our custody offering in the coming month. So we're really excited about that. Obviously, Coinbase has had one out there for a while. I mean, Fidelity has a custody offering, but I mean... And they're certainly a TradFi company, but Mm -hmm. they've also been in crypto for Mm -hmm. quite some time too. (laughs) So you maybe got to give them a little bit of credit there just for having been in the space for a while as well. Yeah, we do. And hopefully it's normalizing things over in, you know, TradFi world. I want to ask you about this. So you mentioned custody, of course, you know, Kraken, like other exchanges, but you guys are certainly one of the largest has, you know, billions of dollars in custody. And just like wrapping your head around that, right? I remember, you know, you guys know those casino heist movies that used to be really popular, like yeah, Ocean's Eleven, sure. you know, Brad Pitt and all those guys, right? Yeah. And they would go 
and they would like do a heist on a casino <laughs> or something like this. And there's this pocket of all of this money inside of the casino. Well, that's what kind of exchanges are, right? It's all of these bearer assets that you know you have to secure, and that requires massive specialization. Again, it benefits from Lindy. How do you know if your exchange is secure? Well, how many decades has it been providing secure custody of private keys, right? And also. There's some special things we can do in crypto that other types of vaults in the analog world just can't do, which is like proof of reserves. Do you have any takes on this custody business and how we can kind of move the industry forward? I know Kraken was famously one of the very first exchanges that actually published proof of reserves. So there is some cryptographic guarantee that the assets held in custody were actually in Kraken's custody and you could verify that on chain. What's the latest and greatest there? Where would you like to see the industry go and where's Kraken going with respect to custody and proof of reserves? Yeah. You know, all of these things, I mean, I like where you started. You started in the right place. I mean, when we talk about custody, I mean, we start with security, right? And that is the foundation. That's like what actually matters, right? What level of security are we bringing for these funds, for these assets? And that requires a huge amount of investment in technology, operational side, Frankly, the entire company, I mean, we have one of our values there, productively paranoid, is all about (laughs) instilling each and every Krakenite this, you know, level of awareness around security. And I mean, you could see it across our client engagement team in just thousands of Krakenites, how present this concept is of security and it really is everyone's role. So this is absolutely the first place to start with when we talk about custody and protecting funds. We have a huge investment there. Nick Prococo, our chief security officer, fantastic talent, built a great team, but it really goes beyond that. It's everyone throughout engineering and operations and all these other areas that play a significant role. That's the bedrock, that's the foundation, that's the most important piece. There are a number of these other pieces, whether it's you know, a regulatory license for custody, whether it's, you know, this proof of reserve attestation, whether it's, you know, a security audit, like a SOC type two audit or something along those lines, which we've done many of these different pieces here. A lot of those pieces are more focused on like communicating to others, you know, where things are at as opposed to like the actual security itself. Right. Mm. And, you know, just trying to, you know, provide some level of transparency or yeah, again, attestation that a lot of these things are in place. And so, yes, we're looking to do all of those. Like I said, you know, but the proper launch of the custody business, a big part of that is, you know, coming with a custody license. But, you know, the underlying piece is right where you started, Ryan, and and is definitely the most important. All right, let's talk about maybe a little bit of the end game here. And I don't know what you guys are thinking or if you can comment on any of this, but Kraken obviously right now is it's a private company, right? So it's owned by a set of individuals and I don't even know what the kind of the structure looks like. What's the end game for Kraken? Has Kraken considered going public at some point in the future? Does it kind of continue as is for decades to come? Does it get acquired by someone else? Is it too early to even ask these questions? What's your take there, Dave? Yeah. Classic question that they, you know, tell me we just, you know, can't say much on. <laughs> and I know it frustrates you guys as well. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, all of these things are out there for us. You know, cracking his own to your, you know, one of the questions you mentioned in there, you know, part by founders, part by employees, part by investors. In that, you know, that makes up the shareholder, I mean, the set of shareholders for Kraken today. You know, I mean, I definitely think, you know, it's a growth space and, you know, we'll want to continue to, you know, build relationships with investors. We frankly have done 
probably less fundraising than many of our peers historically mm. and have been more kind of, you know, built, you know, frankly, just built off of what we've been able to deliver from, you know, investing back into the business. But yeah, I mean, that's certainly something that we'll continue to want to have as part of our business going forward. But yeah, nothing really specific to say on, you know, public side of things. Well, Dave, thank you so much for spending the time with Bankless today. And just like, you know, being open and introducing mm -hmm. yourself to the crypto community. I know you're going to be an important figure in, in kind of the years ahead as one of the leading crypto exchanges mm -hmm. for sure. And best of luck to Kraken. Like, seriously, I'm glad that Kraken is taking a stand against the SEC and has decided not to exit the U.S., but to to stand and fight. And I think many Bankless listeners are right here with you mm -hmm. in that fight. And we appreciate you doing it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. Great talking with you. Well, last question for you, Dave. What's Jesse up to these days? Jesse Powell. Well, you know, he's chairman of the board for Kraken. Right. So he, you know, stays involved from that lens, you know, decent amount, of course, at the board meetings and so forth. So he gets to do more of the fun yeah. stuff, huh? He gets to keep it spicy on he, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. In a way I like. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Action items for you, Bankless Nation will include a link to something that Dave talked about during the conversation, Why Kraken? With the mission and values of Kraken. It's a fantastic read, and there's a link in the show notes. Gotta end with this. Of course, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless Journey. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.